Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along with Justin D'Onofrio. And sports right now are in full swing. I mean, the NHL and the NBA are playing pretty much with no problem, with no issues in their bubbles. Uh, and, and the NBA in uh, Orlando, the NHL in, in Canada. Uh, you got uh, you got baseball still dealing with COVID issues with the Cardinals, and there's still issues with the Houston Astros too, fighting with other teams. But obviously, we got to start today with college football and the sad news yesterday of the Big Ten and the uh, and the Pac-12 postponing fall sports to the spring. But uh, but we all know that this is the end of football in those conferences because I cannot see them playing in the spring. I mean, the three other conferences are still holding out hope. The 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 uh, Big Twelve, the uh, the SEC, and the ACC—they're still holding out hope. But as we know right now, the MAC started this domino effect on Saturday when they called off all fall sports, and the uh, Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 they followed they followed suit. And I think, unfortunately, uh, the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve are going to follow suit as well because we all remember. When they, were, when they were putting their schedules together, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were the first conferences to go to conference-only schedules. And then uh, two or three weeks later, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 did the exact same thing. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see that, too, from the from the other conferences. I think they're going to wait maybe a week or two. Uh, the, the ACC, that's scheduled to start on September 10th, they're probably going to push that back to September 26th. And I think that... They're, they're, they're going to wait a week or two, but they're going to find out once the kids get back on campus, campus that the, the uh, numbers, the COVID numbers will probably spike up. And then the university presidents will say this will probably be a no go. And then you'll more, more than likely see the three other power five conferences uh, called off. Uh, I think personally, the Big Ten kind of jumped the gun. I think both the Big Ten and Pac-12 kind of jumped the gun. I do. I, I do think they had every reason to call it off because of the COVID-19 issue, but they could have waited. The Big Ten that was scheduled to start September 3rd, they could have waited. They could have pushed their season back just to where the SEC and the Big 12 started on September 26th. The Pac-12 didn't have their schedule out yet, but they could have pushed back to the 26th as well. But as as it is right now, the Big 12 and Pac-12 are done. SEC, uh, Big 12, and ACC are still hanging on, but most likely they will be done. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, it, you know, you saw it coming, and – I think I agree with you. I think the Pac-12 and Big Ten called it off a little bit too soon. The interesting thing is Big Ten's new commissioner, Kevin Warren, is in his first year, so we may have felt pressure from the other presidents to cancel it now. That could have been one of the reasons why. Um, you know, Big 12 just came out their schedule this morning, so they're starting September 26th with their non-conference week on um, September 12th. It seems like most of their teams are going to play their non-conference games. We'll see if that actually happens. But I think – the big thing, and, um, you know, you own, you know, we knew it was going to happen. Um, you know, when we saw it Saturday and we, when we were doing our show Saturday, the big time, all the presidents were meeting about this fall season. Um, the interesting thing was the PAC 12 with their decision too. they're canceling all sports until January 1st of 2021. So, and I think they kind of jumped the gun there as well. Because that now goes into college basketball season, which, you know, you miss out on all the non-conference games. Um, but I think it just it just seems too risky. And I understand where the players are coming from. Because they're right now, they are on – because right now with no other students around, they're pretty much kind of in a bubble right now. Pretty much. They're in a bubble, but in you know, a week or two, they will not be in a bubble. And you can't tell people that – 
you know, 18 to 20 year old kids are going to completely follow restrictions. You, if you're, if you're a junior, you're a junior or a senior in college, are you really your junior and senior year of college? Unfortunately, the college kids, they're not thinking sometimes of the future. They want to go out and party. And I just can't see kids on a college campus not partying. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Cause you know, football players, soccer players, whoever may be social distancing, but the kids sitting next to you in class may have gone out to a party with a hundred people sitting next to you Monday morning class. It's just, that's, that's the issue where I kind of disagree with the players. But right now, now I, if every university in the country, I, this is just kind of like hypothetical because I know it's not happening. If they all went online and there were no students besides student athletes, I'd say, let's try it out. You know, cause I think you'd be able probably to get through if nobody else is there. But that's not the case, and you can't really do that unless it's, you know, maybe it happens in the winter if numbers are um, way up there when kids come back. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks. But even Rutgers a couple of weeks ago, they had, they, you know, um, they had a couple guys going on campus party. 15 guys got COVID, and last week it jumped all the way to 29. So you got scholarship guys. So that's almost a, just over and, 30 teams. And, right and that could have, you know, that could have, you know, I'll help the Big Ten make this decision because, you know, this is a Big Ten school that's not following protocol. And and, and I think that could have helped the Big Ten make the decision that they made. Yeah, I, I definitely think it could have because, you know, um, it, they were because right there you kind of see that, you know, that's it, a third of your team, too. You know, it, it's a third of your scholarship players. So definitely, I, I definitely agree that, you know, that probably was a big sticking point for the Big Ten. Um, in their discussion, and also for some of these players, again, not all of them, but most of you guys probably have girlfriends. Do you, you know, do you all, do you really think that they're gonna stay away from their girlfriends for the next three months? Not a chance. Not a chance. A eighteen to twenty year old, nineteen to twenty one year old kid stays away from their girlfriend to social distance for three to four months. In college, you lose your girlfriend if that happens. Okay, they don't care. They, unfortunately, they're not mature adults, and they don't care about those circumstances. That happens in college, you lose your girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, so I just think it's just a whole mess of, you know, things. And, and look at, like, the, you know, look with the Indians. They had two guys, and, and they're supposed to be grown-ups and, and mature. Oh, we'll get to that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, but I'm saying, you know, that they're, they're not even kind of following protocol. So do you really think that a bunch of 18, 20, especially maybe, like, the third or fourth stringers, you, you know, they're not going to care. They're not going to get notice of, you know, uh, coaches aren't going to, you know, know where they are all the time. They're worried more about their starters. So it it just it just creates a big mess. And I just again, I you know, it's going to sink that Mill College football on Saturdays. And but it's the right call. You you have to do it. And I, I agree that there should not be spring football either. It just you know, I know we kind of talked about this, you know, Saturday or a week ago. That it just, you know, you're not going to get any of those draft eligible kids because they're going to get ready for the draft because that's more important. And um, it's going to be watered down and the product's not going to be as great. So, not being it, as great, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, pretty, pretty bad for the most part. And it's just, you know, and, you know, it's understandable and it's a tough call. You know, trust me, for all these universities that are going to lose so much money, it, it it's, it's, take such a hit, but you, you have to do it for safety. You have to. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised either that it's been the conference is kind of coming down with this and the NCAA has no plan or anything. Um, you know, it, it doesn't shock me, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it stinks that there's going to be no college football, but 
definitely the right choice and, and you have to do it for everybody's safety because somebody gets seriously sick that would end it anyways and schools will end up with lawsuits on their hands because i think one of the conferences was trying to do a waiver and they, none of the guys which none of the players would really sign a waiver i think there was only like a handful that would so it just makes it doesn't make any sense you know it, it's oh. kind of lose-lose for you right now yeah, and obviously there is no surprise. The NCAA hasn't really done anything. I mean, knowing who the who, who runs the NCAA, Mark Emmer, it shows you why he's 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 done nothing. And look, and you can see the five, a lot of these conferences are not on the same page of what they want to do because you got two conferences that canceled it, three conferences that still want to play. But I know eventually they're all not going to play. We know that, uh, that that's inevitable. And then with spring football, there's two reasons why spring football should never ever happen. The first one, obviously, is uh, yeah, the, the product will be totally watered down, and it'll be absolutely terrible. It'll be, it'll be pretty much like the Power Five playing FCS football. It'll be, it'll be, an, it'll be an absolute joke if they play spring football because anybody drafted in the top, in the first, not, not only the first round, but in the first five rounds, there's no way they're going to play if, if you're going to be drafted. So spring football is a, it would be that would be a joke. Just the talent level would be a joke. Second. Uh, it wouldn't be beneficial either. Why would you play a full season in the spring and then turn around and play a season season in the fall? It's just not beneficial for the kids or their bodies. It's not beneficial at all. It makes no sense to play spring football. As we know here in Connecticut, the CAIC is voting today on moving uh, high school football to the spring. That makes no sense at all to do that. Either have either play in the fall or don't play at all. In high school, in college, the NFL, that's it. Just don't play. If you're not going to play this fall, you're, I know it's you know especially in college, especially in college, schools are going to lose money. But unfortunately, they're going to have to unfortunately they have to take the financial hit because there's really no other choice at this point. So they, it, it's it's play in the fall or don't play at all. Yeah, those are great points, Steve and, and uh, Steve. And you know, I, yeah, because it's just there's no way for this. Yeah, because you can't have it. And they're thinking. I think Ryan Day wants to start it like the first second week in uh. January, so you end like in what you know, April, yeah. Mayish, like yeah. it's just, and then you kind of give them what a month off before you kind of come back because usually it's like the end of July. It's like a twenty eight days before your first game is when you can you know start actual practice. So it just doesn't make any sense on these kids' bodies, especially you know it just it, you know you're gonna see more injuries. You're gonna see probably more fatigue, you know, especially towards the end of the year. It just it would it would be silly. And, you know, it, it definitely is going to be a big financial hit for a lot of universities, but it is what it is. And, you know, you hope that some of these universities have been planning for that since March and not planning for it just, you know, just start in the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, it's – Definitely gonna have. I know Ed Orgeron said it uh, yesterday that he wants to uh, play in the fall and have fifty thousand people at Tiger Stadium, which I think is crazy at this point. That's that's yeah. completely unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. That is, right. there's there is zero percent chance that is ever even coming close to happen. Yeah, and I would love to, you know, agree with him and, and believe that's actually gonna happen. There's just, yeah, you, you need a miracle at this point for that to happen. So it's disappointing, and you know. There's gonna be no football. And then I know what you heard Lou Holtz said, said saying, um, you know, storm minority. There was always casualties. That's uh, that that was that was another, another ridiculous point that he made on Fox News. Um, the wanting to play. Um, it, it, you know, I know why these coaches want to play. It's just, it, it, you know, it's just such a big safety hazard, and it, it's smart to cancel it. 
Again, I think they could have waited another week or two, but, uh, you know. And the other thing is tough for the players, too, is they've been on campus, too, getting ready for it. It's not like they're coming back. They were supposed to come back this weekend. They've been practicing here for, you know, depending on when schools went back. So, you know, the last few weeks. And that's why there's so much outrage from these players, especially in the Big Ten. They're 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 really angry because you know in three or they thought maybe three weeks. I mean, being realistic, you probably thought it would get pushed back, but in three weeks they were scheduled to play a Big Ten game, and now it's over for good. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and that's what. Yeah, I you know, great point, and I understand. Yes, that's where the players, you know, are unhappy too. Because yeah, you know, it, you're practicing every day. You're thinking you're going to get ready to play a season, and all of a sudden they just pull the plug on you, and it, you know. So it stinks for them, especially the juniors and seniors um, that may not get to play again. Now, who knows what the NCAA does with scholarships and all that. Again, football is tough because, you know, you know, you usually get – you can have a max of 25 guys come in next year, um, you know, and you already have 85. You know, again, it'll be interesting what the NCAA does with all this. I assume they're going to hopefully work on something. I'd Because in, in the spring they gave those guys a sixth year. They gave them an extra year of eligibility, right? Um, yes, for the spring sports guys, they did. Um, yeah, but the fall, it's gonna it's gonna be hard because you know, yeah, you have a bunch of guys coming in. Your lot, your numbers are gonna be loaded next year if you do that. Yeah, and there's more scholarship money too, because you know all these scholarships cost money, so there's more money that you're gonna have to spend, which is you know, and, and these most of these teams aren't gonna have that, you know, have some of those money, have some of that money, especially some of the lower. Um, you know, like the group of five teams. So, again, I think college football is going to be changed forever. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of – not a lot, but I think you're going to see some teams drop down the FCS, I think. I'd not be shocked to save money because they only have 65 scholarships, so you save money. Listen, I, you kind of be a good move they drop the FCS. Uh, you got to worry about Rensselaer Field. They still rent that out. I think they have a contract with them. Ooh, okay. Um, Look, I, you know, I, again, I know we could probably talk about this another day, but I, you know, Randy Edsel right now in the recruiting pipeline right now is doing very well. He's got, I think they're up to number 70 in the class. So, uh, the yeah, let's, 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 let's see it translate onto the field though. Yeah, Cause it's, you've, you've seen the product on the field. It's absolutely pathetic. Let's see it translate onto the field. Okay. I want to you know great recruiting class. Let's see it translate onto the field. I think it will. I, he, you know, I think he's kind of gone back to the old Big East. Kind of, of course you're the UConn optimist here. We know that. Yeah, so yeah. I mean the program's been a joke for two for the last, been a total joke for the last you know six seven years. But you're the UConn optimist. We know that. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, <laughs> trying. Know, nobody else is going to be able to come in this program anyways and help them out. So I give Randy, you know, the big you know the big role. But I, I think they'll get a little bit better hopefully in the next year or two. But um, you know, don't be shocked to see anybody. Um, Drop down the FCS. Okay, year. I got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. We'll talk about one school too before we wrap up college football, and that's Nebraska. And they're in the Big Ten, but they're uh, they're hoping to still play college football. And you know, the problem is, I think that's complete disrespect to the conference to do that. You're getting all this television money from the conference. You're lucky the way you've played since you joined the conference to be in the Big Ten. I think that's a total slap in the face of the Big Ten if they if they try to shop around and play in, play in another conference in a year where you're probably not even going to have college football. Yeah, and then, you know. Um, and I understand, you know, because Scott Frost was a player and all that, so I understand he knows what the players are feeling, especially the seniors that want to play. Again, you know, um, it's such, you know, I know some of the FDS conferences, they're letting you do it. Um, you know, you can go play as an independent. Again, like right now, I don't know how you can create a schedule as an independent. 
I don't know how you can gain because all the independents, UConn and UMass, they're 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 done. Yeah, a lot of the independents are done anyways. Pretty much, BYU, New Mexico State, Army are still you know trying. Yeah, but you got to you got to quarantine for fourteen days before you even you have to get a quarantine for two weeks even before you can even enter New Mexico. So that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult. Yeah, so uh, you know, it, it, there's so many obstacles to get around for this. Um, you know, I heard rumors too that, that Nebraska was going to try to rejoin the Big 12. That's not going to happen. I guess they have. No yeah, after they left the conference, they're going to rejoin. That's a great idea. Yeah, for come the on. Season. Yeah, they just released their schedule today. No Nebraska's in it, and I don't think they're changing their schedule around for Nebraska, who left them hanging. So, um, it, it's uh, I understand where Scott Frost is coming from. I don't think he's being college football. Anyway, so I don't think it's going to matter if you try to put – there's impossible at this point to build the schedule out of anyone. So maybe you get a handful of games and that's it. I, I, you know, I think that's the best you could do trying to maybe put it together independent schedule. Um, but, you know, I understand. I know they're supposed to be good this year too. So uh, Another team supposed to be good. I mean, they really haven't been good for a while. No, they haven't. But um, recruiting has been pretty well. <laughs> recruiting. They've been you- – you got to see it on the field before before the recruiting's good, okay? Taylor Martinez is back at quarterback. Okay, all right, all right. I'll give you that. Um, their best wide receiver is transferring. I know that. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. J.D. Spillman's leaving, so, um, you know, who knows? But, um, you know, I understand where Frost is coming from, but, it, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to put together a full schedule this year. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I th- I, at this point, I, I'm, I'm like the majority of people. I think there'll be no college football. The ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, they're hanging by a thread. But I think this is pretty much just false hope. I think college football in the next two to three weeks will be canceled. Yeah, I'm with you, sadly. You know, I, I would love to be able to disagree with you. But there's just, oh, yeah. now the way I would love, you know, to have college football, you know, I, I, but, yeah, unless there's a major, major um, down um, – you know, um, streams of, you know, um, of positive tests going down throughout the country, especially when kids come back to school, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, I just – I think in the next few weeks, it's really going to just, you know, for the rest of the commissioners to say, all right, it's just not possible to be able to play a 2020 season. Yeah, I think that's the way everything is headed. But we're going to shift over to baseball and – it's it's been a couple of weeks and there's still issues with the Cardinals. The Cardinals have not taken the field in two weeks. They canceled their series this week with the Pirates, and now they've even canceled their doubleheader on Thursday with the uh, Tigers. They're scheduled to be back on the field on Friday against the White Sox. But listen, I get the whole COVID thing. I, I, I get it, but this is starting to get ridiculous with the Cardinals. I mean, look at the Marlins and only and the Phil, and look, look at the Marlins. It only lasted a week. They had a lot of guys test positive, but they got back onto the field. I know the COVID thing is serious, but it, there's a reason you have these taxi squads and you have all these these potential minor leaguers to fill to fill these spots. Eventually, you're going to have to do that, and that's how you're going to have to play, just like the Marlins are. It's not fair for one team to have to play this way, another team to continue to postpone and cancel games that eventually won't be made up. They're going to have to go up percentage points, which is kind of a joke of the sport to do that. So, I mean, eventually the Cardinals need to get back on the field uh, this Friday. They, I think, yes, I get the COVID thing is very serious. But they need to be on the field this Friday against the White Sox. Yeah, and I heard this morning there's been no positive tests on Sunday, which is good, very good news. And, you know, the other thing, you know, because it's going to be over two weeks since they played their last game. And the thing I worry about, too, is for these players, because I haven't heard if they've been able to start even start workouts yet. 
how are you, you know, especially pitchers, we're seeing pitchers go down like flies right now with injuries. You know, I think Tommy Johns right now are way off, um, you know, um, from this begin, you know, from the beginning of the season, um, the numbers are higher than they usually are. So I just worry about the pitchers. You worry, you know, I worry about players held in their ti- timing, the, these hitters, because you can't really work out. What do you, you know, as a pitcher, you can't throw, you know, um, you're, you're not really throwing with anybody. Hitters can't see live pitching. I just think, you know, it's just a disaster for the, you know, if it's going to be two weeks. And the other thing is, how do you, how do you, so if the Cardinals play, let's just say like 40 games and finish 500 and somehow get, um, you know, like a wild card to like a Rockies that go 30 and 30. How do you know, uh, or, or like, or no, like a 37 and, or, so, you know, Rockies go 27-30, Cardinals go 20-20. But the Cardinals played 20 last game. I know their winning percentage is higher, but the Rockies may could have been four games over, you know, 40 games. You know, could have been like uh, uh, 22 and like 18 through 40, you know. So I just think it's – again, I know this year is all unfair, but, you know, how, how can you put a team in, let's just, you know, 40 – you know, they've only played 40 games and they, you know – it just doesn't seem fair because they didn't. They're not even close. I would say it's okay from like fifty on, but you know they're they're gonna have to play so many double headers to even make it to sixty. It, I think they're gonna. They may be close to just hitting fifty. May, they may get less than fifty. I think they get like forty five to be honest. Yeah. So it just doesn't. It's just tough for you know Cardinals. You know it's tough for the Cardinals to be able to. Um, you know it's tough to give them a playoff spot unless they you know really go like 30 and 15 or something. It's just because it's not fair to some of these other teams that played 60 games and, you know, maybe lost them guy by, you know, a game, you know, they finished right behind, you know, um, they're a little bit better than them through like 45, 40. I just, um, it's a tough situation, but they definitely do need to get on the field Friday. It sounds like right now everything's okay. And then I guess the good thing for them is, they play the White Sox this weekend, and then they play Chicago at Wrigley next week. So there's not going to be any travel form. So hopefully, um, no more positive tests, and hopefully they can find a rhythm soon, quickly. Because the, uh, you know, it, it's got to be tough. And I worry mostly about players, players' health, and you know, so they don't get tons of guys here on the IL or anything. And the really smart thing baseball did was they called out that Field of Dreams game, which they needed to do. You don't want that Cardinals tra- after all that's happened. Go travel to Dyersville, Iowa to play a baseball game. That that's that that's that's ridiculous. I happy one of the smart, few smart things baseball has done is they canceled that Field of Dreams game. Yeah, we would have loved to have seen Field of Dreams that play, a team play there, but we wait for next year to do that. It didn't make any sense to play there this year. And, and, and yeah, I mean it, 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 this is where, this is where baseball is completely screwed up this year. Though you're going to go off. A winning percentage when teams play like 15 games more than another team. That's where baseball is. This 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 is where this is totally screwed up, and where Manfred's absolutely done a terrible job of, you know, putting put, uh, did a terrible job of the schedule, not putting putting the, putting teams in a bubble. That's why I, it's just going to be so hard to go off a winning percentage. But they just have no choice. I mean, with the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals are a decent team where they're going to be contending for the playoffs. They got you know they got good starting pitch. Their offense isn't that good, but they got good starting pitching, pretty good bullpen. The team was in the NLCS last year, so I mean, going up percentage points to me makes no sense, and it's not fair. But unfortunately, in the year we're in, that's how that's how it's going to work. Yeah, it is, and I know we're going to talk about the bubble, you know, coming up here, but. You know, I thought about this. If you do 
you know, actually, I'll wait for the bubble to say this because it may be more bubble talk. I'll, I'll kind of wait for that point. Um, but I, I completely agree. It's just not fair to some of these teams that played 15 more games than the Cardinals. I know everything's unfair, but I think at a point, yeah, it, you know, um, it's just, it, it, you know, it, and I, they should have done a bubble. I know the players didn't want to. I understand why they didn't want to, but it's just, it would have, you know, you can see in every other sport, from the NBA, NHL, even the MLS and WNBA, it's working perfectly there. There's been no problem. The MLS, they kicked out two teams that had multiple COVID tests. So it, it's worked fine. And um, it would have been the safest route. It would have been the route that you probably would have definitely succeeded and had a full season. Um, again, the, you know, maybe, you know, it seems like, you know, they're going to keep pushing ahead. They're, luckily, besides the Cardinals, there really hasn't been another outbreak. Luckily, not with the Indians either. So, you know, who knows? But it's definitely they definitely need to get on the field Friday. It sounds like they are at this point, and it was a good idea to um, cancel out the field of dreams. It's just yeah, it just you know it was smart. No need for them to travel to Iowa right now, and it's just not the year to have it either. You know, I think definitely next year. Um, you know that that'll be a cool thing to watch next year. The field of dreams. Hopefully, they put the Yankees back into the game next year because they were originally into the game. But you know, they had it. They had because they weren't playing the White Sox. They they took them out of the game, put the Cardinals into the game. But I hope the Yankees put the Yankees back in that game next year. Yeah, hopefully that'd be fun to watch. And I, I know like a lot of the Yankees players were excited to play that game because that, you know that's a cool venue to you know that'll be you know something special, something you will never forget playing at that you know field of dreams. So yeah, I would love to see the uh, the Yankees get that get that spot again. Play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But we're going to shift over. We're going to talk a little about the bubble for the MLB playoffs. And I think if one team or team has a big outbreak, it's imperative they go to the bubble because they can't have a situation where they're in the playoffs and have a team get this and 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 and, and have to cut the eliminated team from the playoffs because of this. So I think it'd be very smart if one more team has a major outbreak, they absolutely implement the bubble situation for the playoffs. Yeah, I think they would have to because you know that's. That's a great point, Steve. If yeah, one team has an outbreak, yeah, you, you're gonna have to kick them out. You know, you because you can't wait two weeks of resume a playoff series. You can't. There's there's no way you can do that. It, it, would, it you know, it just would not be fair to the team that had the outbreak. It would be fair to the team that has to wait around now two weeks to play another game. It's just yeah, it, it would not be fair. And I think they would. Ha- that's you know, it, they're you know, if they don't want to play in the bubble, they're 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 you know. They're not going to finish. It's no way they're going to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, what I was saying about the Cardinals is maybe, you know, the situation. If they do end up going to a bubble for the playoffs, now that you don't really have to be outside, you know, depending on where the bubble is, um, could you, after that, you know, could you add another regular season week? And for, like, the Cardinals, if it's meaningful games, or maybe even the Marlins' point, add a couple of games that week, you know, for some of these postponements and get the Cardinals maybe a couple extra games, maybe not, you know, like five straight days, but maybe, you know, give them a double header in there in between and just give, you know, maybe play like three, four games, depending on how many they miss and all that. I, you know, I think they could possibly do that as well. You push it back because, you know, again, it depends where it is too. I would assume they're probably going to play it, you know, down in Florida, something where you're going to have nice weather. And you're not gonna have to worry going in, you know, late in November in the cold and you know having a risk of like a snowstorm or anything. Um, but that was kind of my idea: push the regular season back a week and give maybe the Cardinals, if if it's meaningful, 
a couple of games that they could add on here and, um, you know, kind of get close as close as they came to 60 games. That was kind of my idea, but I definitely think the bubble, they definitely should do the bubble for the playoffs. I think they're definitely going to have to do the bubble for the playoffs because they won't be able to finish the season. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have, it'll be more, they'll be really more, they'll have much, they'll have a much better chance to finish the postseason if they go to a bubble. I completely, completely agree with that. But we're going to now transition to the Astros and it just continues with them. You know, they, they just had another bench, just like they had a bench clearing brawl with the uh, Dodgers. They had another bench clearing brawl with the, with the A's and it all started when, uh, uh, Ramiro Liriano was hit in the back uh, by a slider, and then he was talking with the pitcher, and then he got to first base, and then him and uh, Alex, uh, the, the hitting coach Alex Cintron, uh, started going at it, and then uh, Liriano uh, 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 pretty much ran at the Astros dugout and started a brawl, which was the first in terms of because because the Astros and Dodgers they 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 both cleared the benches, but they didn't get physical. This one got physical. Loriano was going after the Astros players. This got physical. It's really something that cannot happen during a pandemic. And I think the suspensions are very, very are worthy. Loriano getting six games, I completely agree with. And I completely agree with uh, Alex Cintron getting 20 games. I mean, you're on the Astros coaching staff while they were cheating. So you're the biggest reason why this is happening. And then you're then then, then you're talking smack. You're talking smack. I heard they said something. He said something in Spanish about Loriano's mother. While he was on first base, completely inexcusable. He's lucky he's not even spent. He's not done for the year. Twenty games completely fits that punishment. Completely fits the crime. He should have been suspended for twenty games uh, for what he did, for what he did, and what he said to Luriano. Yeah, and um, I think the MLB did do a good job of these suspensions. Um, you know, I think they were great because you know Luriano, you know, um, they go out and yeah, in a pandemic, and they actually. It's physical altercation. They're, you know, social distancing, you know, doing all that. I, I can't believe the Astros hitting coach still has a job. I think he should have been fired. I think he should be fired. I agree there. Honestly, I agree with you. Because coaches are supposed to be the peacemakers, not the antagonists here and, and start in the fights. They're supposed to be the peacemakers in these things. Obviously, and see, he was not. So I know he's a young coach, but still, it's, it's inexcusable. Oh, yeah. It's inexcusable for a coach to, to do that. Now, you know, again, I don't know if there's, um, you know, I don't know um, if there's, you know, if this is something that there's always talk in the dugouts, but you just can never hear it um, without, you know, with the fans in the stands, Who, you know, so who knows, you know, there's probably always barking, but you really can't probably hear it on the field. But now with no fans, you got all that. That's not really, it's not an excuse. It's just, yeah, it, it looks bad again for the Astros. Um, it, it, you know, again, Luriano, the second time he was hit, wasn't fastballs. It was a slider. I think, yeah, the second one was slider. I don't remember the first pitch was. It's just, yeah, it, it looks terrible in the Astros. Um, six games is good for him. I just think the Astros hitting coach should have been fired. Absolutely, absolutely. Just, just totally, totally, totally inexcusable to do that. And knowing, knowing that you were on the staff while the team was cheating, that's even more inexcusable and more disgraceful what you did. Yeah, and, and there's another strike that he had that, you know, one that he was part of the cheating scandal, and now now this, that he's starting a fight. You know, there, there's two strikes right there. I, I guess maybe the Astros give him a third one. I don't think he should. Um, but, yeah, it just it looks really bad on him and on, and on his resume. And, it, yeah, it, it's terrible for a coach to be a, you know, be, be a, uh, you know, to, to begin a fight. It's just, I, I, you know, I don't think we've, I've seen that before. 
And I gotta we gotta give our producer Joe credit though. He 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 even said he wrote an article about it. He even said after the Dodgers because there were people in the media thought this was an isolated incident with the Dodgers. Those people could not have been more wrong. They don't understand that Mike Fires plays for the A's and he ratted the Astros out for this cheating scandal. And the reason he ratted them out is because the A's came in second in the division last year to the Astros. So those people who said there was going to be an isolated incident had no people in the media that said this was an isolated incident with the Dodgers have no idea what they were talking about. Joe picked it up. Joe was right about it. He was 100% right about it, that this was going to continue. And it, and it absolutely did continue. The A's retaliated, and there are going to be other teams in this division that are probably going to retaliate as well. I wouldn't be surprised the Angels retaliated. I wouldn't be surprised the Rangers retaliated. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Mariners retaliated too. And so that, that that's what I mean. Joe did a great job. You know, when, when, after this happened, he told everybody that this was going to continue to happen, and he was 100% right about that. Oh, yeah, he was. He was definitely right. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't shock me because, yeah, all these they, um, these guys are in the same division as them. You know, the A's finished second to them. Um, it just – it doesn't shock me. And I think they still have the Dodgers for two more games this year too. So, they're still going to have to worry about the Dodgers as well. So, it, it doesn't shock me. You know, they got the target on their back for what they did. And, and you know, I said it when we talked about after the Dodgers um, – Astros fight that – just that they didn't apologize. They were not remorse about it. And it just seems like they just kind of wiped it off, you know, brushed it off. And again, and then saying that, you know, we earned it, all that. Yeah, it just looks, it just looks terrible. And that's why, you know, all these players just cannot, you know, kind of stand their, what they did. Cause they just, they're, they're not even apologizing for cheating the game that all these guys get the paid that paid to do and all that. Yeah, it looks it looks terrible, and it's not surprising. It's yeah, it will definitely keep happening. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it continues pretty much all season long. So we'll wrap up our baseball talk because we're Yankee fans. We really haven't had a chance to really talk about the Yankees because we've had to deal with the COVID issues and the issues with the Astros. We finally could you know sit here and talk about the Yankees and the Yankees right now. They're at eleven and six on the season. I mean, uh, Aaron Judge off to a red hot start. Uh, you know, the starting pitching has gotten better in the last week. The bullpen is the best in baseball. Don't debate me on that. The last three years, they are clearly the best bullpen in baseball. But before, you know, we talk about how good the team's been playing, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is John Carlos Stanton, who is out again. He's been placed on the DL for uh, three to four weeks, and it's just been, you know, Stanton is a great player, but the the biggest issue with John Carlos Stanton, it's not, uh, yes, I, I get on him for hitting it, not hitting the postseason, but it's not not hitting in the postseason. It's being able to stay healthy, and he's out with a hamstring strain for three to four weeks, and it just continues for John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, and I feel bad for him because it's it's nothing that again he was sliding the second base off of a uh, pass ball, you know, like it's just again, and he got he tried to really he thinned out, he got leaner, you know, that thing, you know, work, um, he got leaner, which. Because he used to be, I guess, leaner back, you know, beginning with the Marlins and all that, which, you know, where he, you know, because it really had, wasn't a problem much. I know he got hit in the face the one time. He has, you know, there wasn't, again, now he's kind of at the point where, you know, he's up there getting injury point and prone, and he's only 30, too. So it's, it's the problem is what's going to happen when he gets to 35, 36 years old? Um, you know, it, it's a scary part. And, Again, I feel bad for the guy because, you know, he can't be a great player if he's not on the field. And we've seen what he's been able to do. He's, you know, um, and he's been having a pretty good year. He's looked pretty good at the plate so far this year. 
Um, it, you know, it looks like things were getting back to normal with him, and yeah, it's just the legs. It always seems like the hamstring or a groin. It just seems it's the legs mostly for him. I know last year was like a tricep, I believe it was, but um, it's just you know, it stinks. And again, it's you know he misses a month, and hopefully kind of come back for you know the playoff stretch or get ready hopefully for the playoffs. It's just you know it's just another tough blow for the Yankees and Stanton and. For the next eight to nine years, the Yankees are paying Stanton and Garrett Cole a combined $68.2 million go right to them, um, you know, which is a lot. And you're paying a guy that much money. You hope he's been he, – you hope he can stay on the field and it just has not happened yet. Um, again, you hope things get better, but it's just – it's hard to see it as he gets older. And, you know, it, it, you know – there's nothing, you know, you can't really blame them for keep for getting hurt. There's, you know, it really, you know, but it's unfortunate again for the Yankees. Again, it looks like Mike Ford stepping up at DH. He's played pretty well the last few days. So, um, hoping get back as quick as possible. I hope he can get back, help this team try to win a World Series. And stepping up is a key word because that's what this Yankee lineup's got to do. And they need, uh, now they need Gary Sanchez and Glaber Torres to step up because, you know, when Stan was healthy, they, Torres and uh, Torres and Sanchez could get away with being in slumps. But now uh, they, they really can't – the Yankee offense is going to suffer if those guys continue to, to get to get into slumps because the reason they, they could get away with it at the beginning of the year is because Judge was doing great. LeMay was doing great. Urshela was doing great. Stanton was doing great. But now with, uh, with, with Stan out – uh, Sanchez and uh, and Torres got to step up, and they really haven't. I mean, luckily last night Luke Voigt stepped up and Mike Ford stepped up, but Torres and Sanchez really need to step up in this lineup for, for this Yankee team to continue to stay hot offensively. Because if you look at the games this this weekend in Tampa, uh, th- th- they had they got pretty good starting pitching from uh, Tanaka and uh, Paxton. Uh, the reason they lost a couple of those, yeah, one we know. Pretty obvious reason. We'll get to it why they lost the Sunday game, but a big reason why they lost Friday and, and what contributed to their loss on Sunday was the offense was not that good, and and uh, the Yankees are going to need Torres and Sanchez to start to step up. Yeah, they're going to have to because again, I know Friday Tanaka pitched well, and you never expect the Yankee team to lose a game one nothing. You know that because with their offense, they should not be getting shut out and being holding two hits. Yeah, they're struggling, and and you know, um, I mean, Sanchez has just been. That 093. Yo. Yes. All right. Here's here's the thing. We are not going to be the show that bashes Gary Sanchez. We know all these other shows have, you know, Keats the City, Baseball with the Bard. They've been bashing Gary Sanchez. We will not be the show to bash Gary Sanchez because I learned a big lesson with Joe when I was doing the roll call not to bash him. And, and he was right about that. Let Sanchez come into his own and let him get hot. We're not going to be the show that bashes Gary Sanchez. Yeah. No, I, you know, I definitely not because he's. You know, when he's hitting well, he's the best offensive catcher in baseball. He's one of the top catchers in baseball. Again, he's just a major slump. Um, again, you know, the defense has been good, though, on his part. That's been something he's been working on. Um, but, you know, he's definitely going to get out of it. The problem, you know, he's – yeah, he's a he's a guest hitter, and he just has not been hitting on um, – most of the pitches he just had – you, you, you can thank Joe for that line, too, saying he's yeah. a guest hitter. Let's, yeah. You can thank Joe for that line. Yeah, Joe gave me that one. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and this weekend, that's what he kind of told me that I could see it. You know, you could see it. Um, you, you could see he's pretty much a guest hitter. And then Torres, too. Torres just seems like he's just um, chasing more. He seems like last year he was very disciplined at the plate. They didn't chase much, but this year he's he's swinging on balls in the dirt. Um, 
he just seems he seems like he's just chasing more than he has. I don't know what the reasons for, um, why he why he is doing that, but you know, it hopefully just it, again, it's such a weird season. You hope at some point, maybe you know, soon rather than later, they you know he kind of figures it out, kind of gets his rhythm and timing down. Maybe it's that I don't know, um, and because again, we know he can hit. You know, and I I don't expect him to be in a slump all year. I assume both of them are going to get out at some point, but ho- hopefully soon because, again, the pitching stepped up. Montgomery looked pretty good last night until he gave up the home run to Zuna. Paxton, I mean, um, you know, Paxton was good Sunday until um, the sixth inning when he gave up two, on, two home runs. And Tanaka. Seventh inning, seventh inning with Paxton inning, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then Tanaka gave up one run in five innings of the night. And so, you know, the, the pitching stepped up. Which has been a good sign, but now, now you know other guys. Now the lineup's got to do, you know. So besides really Lemayhew batting just four hundred, Judge was the ninth home run last year. Ford had a good night. Boyd had a good night. Um, Clint looked good. Has looked good before they sent him down. So hopefully we kind of come back up, give him another piece in that lineup. Um, but definitely Sanchez and Glaber. Hopefully, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll get back on track. Uh, yeah, and you see Joe putting up a graphic. Aaron Judge, early favorite for MVP, and that's and he really is. He's even more locked in than he was in his in the year we – yes, I'll acknowledge it. And Joe knows what I'm talking about when I say this. Should have won MVP in 2017. He's more locked in then than, now than he was even then. I mean, he's had a great start, nine home runs, 20 RBIs. The guy has been phenomenal. Yes, he is absolutely the American League MVP right now. Yeah, he has looked so good at the plate. And I remember last – after the Red Sox series, he, you know, after the Sunday night game, he said he didn't even feel like he was totally locked in yet. Like he's, you know, um, I don't know how much more locked he can get, it, get to. But, yeah, he's been outstanding. Another home run last night. That was a missile he hit. Um, he's just – yeah, he's definitely the MVP right now. Um, you know, hopefully, you know – um, you know, he can say all the – keep playing like this. He will definitely win MVP. But it's been a great spark. Um, in that Yankees offense, especially that one-two punch with LeMahieu first getting on, mostly you know he's batting 400, and then ju- you got Judge right behind him. Um, it's such a nice thing to have, and hopefully guys behind him will be able to knock him in. And um, it, you know he he's been so much so much fun to watch, and it's kind of going back to his rookie year where you know uh, he was just a monster at the plate, hitting 59 home runs, and he should have won MVP that year as well, definitely. Going to another outfielder, Joe put up a good graphic now. When will Clint Frazier get the shot? And it should be tonight. I am tired of seeing Brett Gardner in left field. I'm tired of it. Get him out. Get Frazier in. Gardner's hitting under 200. Uh, honestly, I think he should be. He shouldn't even be on the team at this point. I mean, he's just uh, – yes, he hits a couple home runs. I think his only hits this year have been home runs. I mean, that's all he pretty much can do any do anymore. He's hitting under 100. Get Clint Frazier's time and pretty much keep Clint Frazier on this roster and get Brett Gardner off this roster. I know Brett Gardner, and I know it's not popular to Yankee fans because Brett Gardner, you know, is a beloved Yankee player, but let's be real about Brett Gardner. He was a very good Yankee player. He's not a Yankee great. He does not earn the right to to be struggling and to, and to keep his roster spot for this long, okay? give Get Clint Frazier a shot. That's why you traded Andrew Miller four years ago. Give Frazier a shot and see what he could do. I want to see him in the lineup tonight and not see uh, Gardner in the lineup tonight. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think you got to give Clint a shot. And I think the only reason they brought back Gardner last year is because he had 20 home runs, you know, which was his career high, which was, uh, you know, shows you with the, the balls that they're using last year. You know, the thing is, I was just looking at the pitching matchup, is um, has Corey um, 
I don't care about righty lefty too. I I I could care less about righty lefty. Get Clint Frazier in this lineup and get Brett Gardner out of this lineup. It, yeah, and I and I agree with you. But knowing Boone, he likes that lefty oh, match. That's that why, and, and I'll get to Boone on another thing he did this week too. That's uh, you know, Boone's Boone didn't have a great week either. Yeah, I know Boone likes the righty lefty analytics guy, but come on, put the better player in. I know, I, and I totally agree. With you. I want to see Clint because I I was I was not happy when he they sent him back down to the alternate site because he was playing well. It's like why why do you do this to the kid? Um, and I definitely think he should be in the lineup tonight. Um, yeah, he's, he's the better hitter. And again, I think he's more of a threat up there than I think Gardner's, um, cause Gardner, you know, Gardner could still steal a base or two. He can kind of worry on the bases, but he can't get on base anyways at the point. So at this point, so yeah, I, I definitely think Clint Frazier should be the one starting out there, um, in the outfield tonight. Hopefully he is. Um, but yeah, cause Gardner's struggling. Um, again, you know, I think the only the, the only reason they brought him back was the season he had last year. Usually, well, once in a while he'll still give you good at bat. He'll look off. You know, he'll get pen. You know, he'll um take your pitcher. You know, eight nine pitches deep. But that's you know, it, it doesn't have as much as it used to anymore. Um, but yeah, I, you know, hopefully Clint is out there tonight and left. Yes, yes. So, yes, the Yankees did lose three out of four in Tampa, but the one positive was the the rotation. Joe put up the graphic up earlier. Is the rotation uh, has has gotten a little bit better? I mean, Tanaka obviously had that good start, and I mean, we saw the start from Montgomery last night. Yes, he pitched five shutout, and he did give up that three home run homer to Ozuna. But a good thing was James Paxton. After two bad starts, he pitched really, really well uh, against the Rays on Sunday. But you know that start was wasted because Aaron Boone completely screwed that game up uh, when he gave up. But he gives up a two-run homer and then then keeps him in the game in the seventh inning after he's thrown over eighty pitches and then gives up a home run to Brandon Lau. And I know Boone's rule is we don't want to use relievers uh, three straight days, but you had two off days. You had an off day on Monday and you had an off day on Thursday. You had two off days this week during a sixty-game season. You could have used Adovino uh, a third day in a row. You could have used Chad Green in that spot as well. So I don't want to hear the nonsense that Boone doesn't want to use guys three days in a row. He screwed that game up on Sunday, and that was a swing game because that because now the Rays are only a game and a half out. And if if we if the Yankees win that game, they're three and a half games ahead of the Rays. Yeah, um, and I, he definitely kind of messed that game up, and especially too, they don't have to go to Tampa again this year. So you got kind of got the split down in Tropicana. Now they got to come up here for the final seven games too. So you you know you would have got to split down there. You feel a lot better about yourself, but yeah, I, he made the poor choice of leaving him in there. You got up three two, take him out. Why, you know, because he pitched well. He, you, you know, he's still in line for the win. He's still up by a run. You know, and he's feeling good about his start. Then you let him stay back in there. You, you let him go to another hitter. He gives it the home run, and there goes his win. And there goes kind of that great start that he had. Uh, it, you know, it's just disappointing. And especially with that bullpen too, it's not like, uh, you know, they don't have anything in that bullpen where it's like, they're going to blow the game every time, or you're going to be sitting on the edge of your seat because the bullpen's not going to be able to hold on. This is the best bullpen in baseball. So I don't know why he didn't go and trust the bullpen. I I don't don't know why he waited. It wasn't the smart, or because he didn't want to use got three straight days in a row. Which is nonsense. Which is nonsense. They're they're. It's a sixty game season. You have two off days. That's nonsense. Yeah, that you know. Yeah, and I think he should have gone to the high leverage guys and get the win. You you gotta win that game to go. You know, get the split, and and you're feeling good about yourself going back home for a nine game homestand. You know, you know, it would have been a great happy flight on the way back. But 
Um, he left him in there, wasn't too happy about it, and it cost him. You know, it definitely cost him. It disappointing, but it, it was good to see Paxson Tanaka um, have good starts and, and look like they, you know they're kind of getting back to their form. Before we wrap up, uh, before we wrap up, we'll, we'll talk about the you know the, remain, the remaining game with the Braves and the Red Sox this weekend. Uh, the Braves, you know, last night uh, didn't have Acuna in the lineup. I mean, still they were still were able to hit. Ozuna hit a home run. They were still able to ba- uh, battle back in that game, and and, and a, 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 a tough matchup tonight because you know they, they, with that lineup against Tanaka, I feel like Tanaka's going to win that game tonight. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight. Yeah, it should. And and I don't even know who the Braves are starting. It's like Haskari. Some guy you don't even know because yeah, they have injuries in the rotation. You have some guy you don't even know. So the Yankees should be able to hit him. They should be able to, and they think they would. They they got to be able to hit him. Um, you got tomorrow off, and you got the size on it. You know, because um, again, you know, um, again, the way their lineup is, it, this is a guy yeah, they should be able to rock around Tanaka. Hopefully, um, from what the sorry yeah Friday, hopefully he continues that momentum, and hopefully, you know, don't know if Acuna is going to be in the lineup or not, but if if he's not, it, you know, they really, you know. Um, it helps out even more. So this should be a game that they definitely win tonight and get the two games um, sweep of the Braves. And we got the four game series with the Red Sox uh, starting Friday night. You got uh, Garrett Cole against Nathan Avaldi. Saturday, Paxson. Red Sox don't have a starter. Shocking, knowing how pathetic the Red Sox rotation is. I was being sarcastic there. Uh, no, no, uh, Sunday, the Sunday night game, you got Hap, who struggled against uh, Martin Perez, who's actually not pitched that poorly for the Red Sox. Justin would know because he's done some of their games. And uh, then Monday, you got Montgomery against uh, Gud- Gudley. So uh, I think for this series against the Red Sox, I'm going Yankees three out of four. Yes, they swept them the last time, but you know, in baseball, a baseball team's got to win sometime. Even though the Red Sox aren't that good this year, I got the Yankees winning three out of four this weekend. Yeah, I got him winning three out of four. Um, yeah, this Red Sox team does not have much pitching at all right now. Um, and Devers and Martinez have struggled. They're struggling. Martinez hit his first home run last night. It's really just been Bogarts. Ben Attendee, I think, has two. Oh, Ben Attendee's been terrible. He's been awful. Um, and they and actually Ron, Ron Renicky the other night pulled pitched hit for him in the fourth inning that night too. So, um, which was a very interesting call. Um, but so yeah, it's been a rough, rough year for the Red Sox so far. They just, you know, with the Rodriguez gone for the year, you got no sale. Um, they have no Josh Taylor right now. Um, he has, I think he had COVID, so they're waiting. I think he's at the alternative site right now, so um, they're hoping he has some bullpen depth, but yeah, you know, this should be a you know, serious thing. You should be able to win three out of four, and uh, it'll be fun to see Cole for the first time go up against the Red Sox, you know, so waiting to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a great Red Sox team, but a, de- a decent Red Sox lineup. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. And it should, should be a good weekend. It should be a good weekend for the Yankees because there's no reason they shouldn't win three out of four against the Red Sox. But we're going to head down to the bubble in Orlando and talk some NBA. And there's a pretty crazy race for the eight seed. Uh, and last night, uh, the team that has the eight seed, and it pretty much has the inside track for the eight seed, that's the Blazers. And they were led by Damian Lillard with his 61 points. Great game last night. If you're able to see it. I, was, I watched most of that game last night. Outstanding game. Lillard scored 61. Lillard's been on a tear right now as the uh, Blazers beat the Mavs, you know, 134-131. Right now the Blazers have a half-game lead on the other uh, three teams for the number eight seed. And they're playing the Nets tomorrow. So they pretty much are going to get the number eight seed. Uh, yes, the Nets are 5-2 and two in the bubble, but – there's, there's no way with everything on the line I could see the Blazers losing tomorrow night. I think they're definitely getting 
the number eight seed, and Dame Lillard. You know, he had over he had over fifty he had over fifty points against the Sixers. Then he has sixty one against against the uh, Mavs. Him, Luca, and Curry clearly top three point guards in the NBA. Yeah, you know um, the way the Trailblazers have been playing. Um, again, then even the last nine minutes of forty three seconds, he either scored or assisted on thirty of the team's thirty four points. Um, so you know, after Patrick, you know, he's been playing really well, and uh, you know, they did, and they have yes, they have the inside track, and you know the the big reason, well, one of the big reasons why is the final game before the before the shutdown. The Blazers did beat the Suns too, so if that went the other way, you know the Sun the Suns could be sitting in that spot right now. Who would have thought that seeing where the Suns were at in March? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know we'll get to them in a minute, but they've been very impressive as well. Just like the Blazers again, even Carmelo last night had twenty six points. He played well. McCollum struggled. He only had eight. I think he shot like two for fourteen, something like that. He didn't play very well. They got it done. Um, and, and you know that. And I'd be scared if I'm the Lakers. That's not a team you – that's not an eight seed you want to see. In the first oh, game. no. By far, that's the team that's going to give the Lakers the most trouble. By by far. And I, I know Devin Booker's really good, but the Suns don't have enough to give the Lakers trouble. That This Blazer team could take the Lakers to six, maybe seven games in the first round. Yeah, and it would not surprise me to see it. Um, and, yeah, I'd be very, you know, very concerned if you're, if you're, if you're the Lakers because, yeah, they, they have the scoring and, you know, and if they can get 26 from Carmelo, I know it can't happen every night, but if they can get some decent amount from Carmelo night in and night out, um, they, they're going to be in good hands. So, yeah, this Blazers team right now is really, really playing well. Um, and they also have, you know – Nerfich like too. Nerfich yeah, though. If, the way Nerfich is playing right now, the way him and, him and Lillard right now are unstoppable on the pick and roll. Oh, yeah. It, it's um, – they've been looked so good off that off that. Um, it's been tough and the Lakers, you know, and Lakers, they have Kuzma, but they don't really have another big guy that could really, uh, stop that either. You know, um, they, they don't. So that, that'd be tough for the Lakers to try to slow down as well right now. Um, you can see the Blazers are playing really, really well. And Willard's really, um, really stepped up and, you know, he's playing unbelievable right now. It's been great. It's been really fun to watch him play right now because he's just doing whatever he wants and, He's scoring whichever way he wants or not. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Been just so impressive by Damian Lillard. So we'll look, but we're going to look at the other three teams who are trying to get there. We're going to assume the Blazers are going to get the eight seed tomorrow night. They're going to be in that eight spot. But we're going to look at the other three teams. We're going to start with the Grizzlies who control their own destiny uh, to getting that nine seed. And it's crazy to think that because the the, the Grizzlies have been one and six uh, 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 in Orlando and during the bubble. They've lost one of their best players in. in, uh, in Jaron Jackson, uh, they really have not been playing well at all. They do play the Bucks tomorrow night, and the big thing is: are the Bucks going to play Giannis in that game? That's going to be a huge, huge factor to see if they end up getting that uh, that that uh, number number nine seed. I'm assuming they're not getting the eight seed because I'm assuming the Blazers are going to get the eight seed, and the and and the Grizzlies they 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 get the nine seed if they win or the Suns and the Spurs lose tomorrow night. So they they got their destiny in their own hands to get that number nine seed. Personally. I'm hoping that that they don't get the nine seed because because I know if the Blazers play the uh, play the Grizzlies on Saturday, the Blazers will win that game by 20 points. I want to see the Blazers play the Suns. I think that's clearly going to be the toughest team. If the Blazers get the eight seed and the Suns get the nine seed, that's going to be the best. That 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 could that could go two days. That could go Saturday and Sunday. I think if the Blazers get the eight seed or the Grizzlies and the Spurs get that uh, Grizzlies or Spurs get that nine seed, it's going to be over on Saturday. 
So, yeah, for the Grizzlies, they pretty much control their own destiny, though. It's crazy to think that because they had such a huge lead. They had a three-and-a-half game lead and they, had the, they were on everybody uh, going into this. But the way they've been playing right now, they got to fight for their playoff lives tomorrow, and they got to beat the best team in the NBA. Even though Giannis probably won't play, they got to beat the best team in the NBA to get into uh, to get into the playoffs tomorrow night. Uh, looking at the Suns, uh, they can get the nine seed if they if they win, and they would need they would need either uh, Portland or Memphis to lose. So they would need to win, and I think Portland's going to win. So they'll probably need Memphis to lose. So if they win and Memphis loses, they get the uh, they get the nine seed. So the, the dream scenario would be is that uh, Portland would win, Memphis would lose, and then the Suns would win. That would give you the dream scenario having Devin Booker against Damian Lillard. And that would be pretty much your dream scenario uh, in, in the playing tournament. Oh yeah, it would. The way Booker, Booker's been playing as, as you know, him and Lillard right now has been the two best players I think in the bubble. Um, and it'd be fun to see those two square off. Oh, oh, I, oh, I've said, you know, oh, you're, you're back. Yeah. It's still been a good year. It's been a good year, I think, for the Grizzlies. Win or lose tomorrow, because again, nobody thought they'd be in this position. Um, and losing Jackson really hurt them for their chances. I think they if Jackson stayed healthy. I think they 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 have a much better shot of the eight seed. Um, but the Suns being seven zero, unbelievable. Um, but yeah, Lillard, you know, Lillard, hopefully, I'm hoping yes, the Suns get that nine, and we could see the Blazers versus the Suns. Um, that that'd be really really fun to watch. Um, th- those two guys go off go off and. Again, the way that, and if you're a Suns fan, the way that they've been playing these last few weeks, it, it's such a great thing for the future, and it looks bright for the first time in a while since Steve Nash was there. So, um, you know, you're looking really, really good if you're a Suns fan. And, yeah, you know, um, Blazers versus Suns would be a great 8-9 matchup. That should go three games. The thing about the Grizzlies, though, is say, say for example, the Pelicans were healthy all year with Zion and the Blazers had Nerfix, they would have no chance of getting this number eight seed. I mean, the, that was the biggest reason why they were even that even in that spot to begin with. I mean, listen, I, li- I think they got a really good future with John Morant and Jaron Jackson, but they wouldn't be in, be realistically, they wouldn't be in this position if Nerfix played the whole year for the Blazers or uh, Zion played the whole year for the Pelicans. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, it. They, they probably wouldn't. They probably wouldn't, and because we we've kind of seen what the Blazers been able to do. Um, the Pelicans looked good before the bubble. Now they've kind of fallen off. So they probably would not be. Um, but yeah, kind of. You know, I thought. Um, I thought still they would still kind of finish. You know, if you told me at the beginning of the season, I thought they'd probably still finish more towards the end. End. Um, I, you're, you know, maybe like tenth or left, you know, twelfth ish. Um, but yeah, the future really looks good for Memphis, and um, you know. For, for the next few years to come for that organization. Absolutely. So we got one more team that is trying to fight to get in the playoffs, and and, and that is the Spurs. And this would and if, and if the Spurs don't make the playoffs this year, I'm going to ask you a trivia question. You and Joe could, you know, Joe could comment. You could respond. When was the last time the Spurs have missed the playoffs? I'm going to say 1998 because that's when they got Duncan, right? Yeah. 97. 98 was Duncan's rookie year. They got into the playoffs. 97 was the last year because David Robinson got hurt uh, at the beginning of the season, and they pretty much tanked that year and won 20 games, and then were able to draft Tim Duncan. With I think I think they had the one or, number one or number two pick. They were able to draft him, and they, and that's how you know they were able to form their dynasty. So that was the, the 1997 was the last time the Spurs missed the playoffs. So they could they're definitely in danger of doing that tomorrow. They need a lot of they need a lot of help. They need to be they need to beat the Jazz, 
and they also need losses from uh, from probably from Memphis and the Suns tomorrow. So they need a ton of help to get into the playoffs. And yeah, they're definitely they've definitely played well during the restart, but they're definitely probably one of the least interesting teams to watch if they get into the playoffs. Yeah, they would. It's been a long time since that uh, '97, so that's been uh, that's been a while for that Spurs dynasty, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and I know they're one fourteen to watch. They've won three straight, and for not having Cup, you know, three of their best four scores out there either, and they've been able to kind of hang around and stay in with the pack and still have a chance to go to the final game of uh, you now the bubble here to get that eight seed. It's been a good, um, you know, it's been a successful, you know, and not successful if they don't get in the playoffs, but um, it's something to kind of build off of. And again, you know, for the Spurs going next year, but yeah, you know, they're going to, they're going to need a lot of help. Obviously the odds are against them, but again, I, you know, you know me, Steve, I love Greg Popovich, so nothing's like out of the, uh, you know, I know the odds are, but Greg, I think, you know, they have a good shot to win tomorrow. Well, they have a good, you know, depending on what the Jazz do. Good shot to win, but they're going to need, they're going to need help. They're going to need, but, but you never know. The Suns could lose because they're playing the Mavs and the, uh, and the, the, the Suns could lose because they're playing the Mavs and the Grizzlies could lose because they're playing the Bucks. So there still is a, definitely a shot for them to make the playoffs. There definitely is. And, you know, all they got to do is just take care of their own business and just let everything else kind of um, play itself out. And hopefully, you know, maybe they get the chance to um, try to get that eight seed. Before we get to thinking us predicting who the MVP should be, we're going to get on a team that didn't make the playoffs, and that's the Pelicans. And, and this and Alvin Gentry should be fired for me. I know, I know, Joe predicted, uh, and he was right on the keys to the city that the Pelicans' objective is not to make the playoffs with Zion, but they completely mismanaged Zion in this post in this postseason. I'm, I'll guarantee you one thing: if Zion plays the minutes he should have played, the Pelicans right now is they being two and five in the bubble. They be fi- or do they do they win last night? I don't even know if they beat the Kings last night. The King beat them. Kings, oh, the Kings beat him again last night. Yeah. So yeah, they're two and five in the bubble. If they if they played this right with Zion, they would have been five and two in the bubble and right in this race for the number eight seed. But the problem is, is they completely mismanaged. I know they were the health and safety was a concern, but they completely mismanaged Zion uh, let, the, 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 during the bubble, and now they're out of the playoffs. And I feel like Alvin Gentry should be fired for this. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it was just him or just the whole organization. You know, yeah, like, David. I know David Griffin probably pushed it too. But yeah, it's it, yeah, David Griffin, the GM, pushed it, and uh, and uh, yeah, and, and Alvin Gentry listened to him. So yeah, he probably won't end up getting fired if it was if it was pushed by the GM. But still, very disappointing that it happened this way. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I kind of said I didn't really want to make the playoffs because you know I just uh, you know I, I wasn't yeah I was kind of hoping. Um, they weren't, you know, teams are against somebody else. But, yeah, they really mismanaged them. And the problem is it seems like, you know, Zion was upset the way too. So That's Zion the thing. If it was okay with Zion, you were fine, but he was upset about it. And that that's the problem, I think, you know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the guy you want to make unhappy right now. Because um, he yeah. benched last night. Yeah, because you already had ID want to get out of there last year. Yeah. Now <laughs> you could get Zion. You don't want to get Zion PO'd now. No, that that is not. Yeah, that's not a good start to your future, right there. With your, with your, you know, your biggest chip right there, not being happy. Um. So yeah, it, it, they definitely mismanage it because they, yeah, they should probably be five, five and two. Um. Again, because the way the Kings have been playing, the if the way the Kings were been playing, they definitely should have beat the Kings twice because the Kings did not show up for this thing at all either. Um. That's a story for another day. But, yeah, so they definitely mid-manage it. 
Um, I, again, I kind of just thought they're just waiting for next year. I don't, I don't know why they would do that, but that just get the, you know, I don't know why they, they're just kind of just waiting until next season to, to, I guess, be in it. I don't, you know, I, unless they're just worried that Zion's going to get really, really hurt and he's going to miss some of next season too. I don't, I don't really know. It wasn't, you know, it just did, yeah, it just didn't seem like they wanted to be in the playoffs this year. And I, and I wonder too, if they just thought, okay, we're going to the AC, but we're going to, unless they thought they were going to like swept or losing five games of the Lakers. And they just, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird that they have not, they did not, you know, uh, give Zion more or keep him in more in a tight game or whatever, you know, it's weird. Yeah. And the real reason why they probably created these, this eight game, you know, had teams play eight games because they wanted it because the Pelicans were three and a half games out. And a big reason was they wanted the Pelicans to probably make the playoffs. So it's Zion LeBron in the first round. Well, yeah, Zion deep uh, against Lil, uh, well, LeBron against Lillard would be fine, but I think the biggest reason they 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 did this they, did this this thing was because they wanted Zion to make the playoffs. But the Pelicans had other ideas; they didn't care about making the playoffs, and and it, it, that's that's the reality we're living in right now. Yeah, it is. It, it, it definitely was the NBA wanted to see the Pelicans and the Lakers because they had the easy schedule of the eight games. They they had you know their easy schedule, so you could kind of kind of. They kind of pointed to it that they won the Pelicans at the eighth seed. It just did not end up happening because it just did not seem that um, Pelicans really wanted to be in that eighth seed right now. It just didn't seem they want to be there. But definitely Lillard versus LeBron will also get very good ratings. Maybe not as good as LeBron versus Zion, but they'd still be with pretty good ratings for a one eight seed. Oh, absolutely. Or series. And it'll be a more competitive series too, because yeah, they, they'll probably play, and it'll be definitely be a more competitive series. But speaking of LeBron. We got to go to the MVP race, and it's pretty much it's the three horse race right now between him, uh, Giannis, and James Harden for for the MVP. And I take James Harden out of the equation. The team hasn't been as good as good as LeBron's team or uh, or, or Giannis's team. Yes, he's a great scorer, probably the best scorer in the league, but he doesn't play the kind of defense that Zion or LeBron have or have the impact on the game. I don't know. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It doesn't have an impact. Don't tell me. Don't say, "Oh, you don't think it's an impact on the game." He absolutely has an impact on the game, but he doesn't have the impact on the game that Zion or, or LeBron. No, I mean uh, Giannis or LeBron have. So and that's why I take him out of that conversation immediately. Even though he's the lead, he, he's 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 going to be the scoring champion of the league, and I think it's between Zion and LeBron. It's very close between those two guys. LeBron definitely made his case Tuesday night. He had, he had a great game, but. I got it for the second year in a row. I got to give it to Zion. His three-point shooting has his guy's pretty much becoming undefendable. His three-point shooting has improved. Uh, he makes his teammates better. Uh, he's, I mean, he's pretty much a great all-around player. And you look at the record. The Bucks have the best record in the NBA. And look at the number two. Middleton is not as good, definitely not as good of a number two as Anthony Davis is. So that's why, in my opinion, I'm giving Giannis the MVP for the second year in a row. Yeah, I'm with you. I get Giannis. I think you know, big reason for me is they do have the best record. Um, yeah, see, also the three point shooting this year has gotten better. It's really, really helped his game out more where you now have to defend him out there in the three point line. Um, and yeah, the number two as well because, you know, and his Middleton had a pretty good year, you know, he's still pretty good, but yeah, he's no Anthony Davis. Um, again, I know they play in the Eastern Conference, what it yell, we have maybe, you know, yes, it's not as tough as the Western Conference, but he's still Giannis, still, um, Game in, game out. It's just such a he, he's such a tough out to defend. Um, again, LeBron's been playing well in the well when he has played. LeBron's been playing well in the bubble. 
played really well Tuesday night. Uh, he hasn't played uh, really, really Tuesday night was by far his best game in the ball. Yeah. Let's be real. Yes, he had that great, he had that, uh, he had the clutch moment against the Clippers in the first game, but his best game in the bubble was definitely Tuesday night. I mean, yeah. I mean Monday, I mean Monday night against the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, definitely into Nuggets was his best game, and um, so you know, I again, I think because. Because he does have AD. I know after AD, there's not much. You have Kuzma. That's about it. But, again, who's really Giannis' third right now? Um, oh, Bledsoe. Giannis, Bledsoe yeah. right now. Or Brooke Lopez, but I would say Bledsoe. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, again, I'd probably take Kuzma over Bledsoe or or, um, or, or Lopez. So, um, I, I definitely think Giannis does, should get the MVP um, for the second straight year. Yeah, I think we might have lost Justin there. Yeah, he was talking about you know. Are you you're back, Justin? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, um, I'm back. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I think Giannis should just, you know, he should win the MVP for the second straight season. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be close. I think both are very deserving. LeBron and Giannis. It's going to be a very close race. It's very interesting to see who wins at the MVP. But we'll go now. Go to Rookie of the Year, and that's pretty much between three guys as well. Between Zion, uh, Morant, and uh, and Kendrick Nunn. And it's pretty amazing that Zion's even in that conversation, knowing that he missed almost half the season. And that's probably more than likely why I'm not picking Zion to win Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go with John Morant because he played – John Morant played more games and had his team in contention as a rookie. So And Kendrick Nunn was good, but Kendrick Nunn wasn't even close to the best player on his team. And, and, and uh, Morant was very close to the best player on his team. It was pretty much him and Jaron Jackson were 1-1A. One one and then even in New Orleans, Zion was very close to the best player on his team. Him and Brennan Ingram were 1-1A. One one but it's close between Zion and Morant. But I'm going to take John Morant to win Rookie of the Year just because of the, the amount of games that Morant has played. Yeah, I think yeah, it's got to be Morant because Zion's played, what, 24 games? I 24 think. games. Morant's played like 66. I can't believe that qualifies. That being yeah, but the impact that Zion's made, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's what that's what qualifies. He definitely did have an impact because he definitely was much better, obviously, when he came back and played. But I, I think you got to go Morant. He played 66 games and. You know, I know we talked about a few minutes ago. I never thought the Grizzlies were going to be in contention. I thought, you know, they were still maybe, probably a year or two away. They may, you know, add a piece this year in the draft. And then they kind of get up there and start, you know, competing for a playoff spot. So, and Morant's been really fun to watch um, th- this year. Uh, double-double, I think he's been averaging. And, even, you know, um, and, and you kind of see it. It's been tough, I know, without Jackson so far, you know, when he got hurt. But the way Morant's been playing all year, he's been fun to watch. And Kendrick Nunn's been a great story guy out of Oakland University. Um, I, you know, I watched a little bit of him in college. I, he was undrafted. I didn't really ever think that he was going to turn into a rookie year candidate. But he's been able to. It's been a really good story for him. But um, I definitely think you got to give it to John Morant. Um, he's had a great year. It's been fun to watch. And um, Grizzly fans, I know, you know, got to be happy with the way the future's looking. Pretty bright. Oh, absolutely. With him and Jaron Jackson, absolutely. They they have a really, really good future in store. But we're going to cut up to Canada to, to wrap up the show with the NHL playoffs. And before we talk about the local teams, we're going to talk about the, another amazing game last night. And that was the five overtime game between the Lightning and the uh, and the Blue Jackets. And that, and that caused actually the Bruins to play this morning instead of playing last night. But unbelievable game between the Lightning and Blue Jackets when five overtimes with the Lightning winning three to two, yeah, that was a great game last night. I think the fourth or fifth longest um, NHL game ever played. So um, five overtime. Um, Jonas Crisapo with eighty-five saves. Um, 
beat the record by 11. The record going in was 74. Um, it was just an incredible game to watch. Um, you know, and the um, I think the light, you know, the Lightning too had 188 shot attempts. The Jackets, I think, blocked 60 of them, something like that, right around there. Um, it was, you know, again, the play wasn't, you know, um, it was tough to play that many minutes. Like Seth Jones led 65 minutes. That's over a whole game right there. Um, but it was, you know, because that, that's something really, really rare to see. But the Lightning pretty much dominated most of that game for the most part. And that Columbus's goalie um, pretty much kept them into it. And Lightning got swept by these guys last year in the first round. So they finally took five overtime. Got their revenge. No, yeah. not totally their revenge, but still. Yeah. They got game one. They got something. Got game one, yeah. They got last year. Um, but that was a really, really fun game to watch. And um, it, it was incredible. They go five straight, you know, well, four straight periods without giving up a goal like that. Um, and, and pretty much was under pressure most of the time for the Blue Jackets. Did what he do? Did, did what Chrisopoulos did was really, really impressive, and that was a fun one. That was yeah, fun. it was almost like playing three hockey games. They were they, they go to six overtime, just like playing three games yeah. in one day. Yeah, that that and uh, I think God they have today off, but uh, um, they gotta get back out there tomorrow three two. So it, it is, and a lot of guys I wonder probably woke up with Joe Lake. Seth Jones actually, who you know I said mentioned did lead the ice time. He said he did feel pretty good still after the game, which I was, you know, uh, especially after a loss, I figured he'd probably feel it a little bit more. But um, it's impressive, especially because they've been off for so long, too, to play. I know they've been back for two weeks, but that was only the Lightning's fourth game. So that was the sixth Blue Jackets game. But for that much, um, for that, you know, for not being fully back yet, then, you know, having kind of that big layoff, it, you know, it was so. It was. Um, I was a little surprised to kind of hear that they still felt pretty good after that game. Um, but yeah, that was something that you know. I think the last time was that was two thousand two thousand three. Last time between five five overtimes. Yeah, I think I saw on Sports Center was the Stars and the and the bite the, the Mighty Ducks. The year the Ducks got to the Cup against the Devils. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe. Yeah, I think that was yeah, that was the one. Yes. Um, yeah, just just a, gr- a great game last night. But before we get to more of the playoffs, we got to talk about our Rangers, and they got the number one pick. Mm-hmm. So, is it really who? Who I don't know who is the is the top pick supposed to be good? Oh yes, it sounds like it's already a done deal. Alexia Lafrania, I think it's pronounced. I think he's from Quebec, and I guess they announced this morning that he will not be going over to Europe and playing next season. So it sounds like he will be in the NHL next season. Because I know some of these guys, you know, some of the teams kind of request to kind of come back in two years. But sounds like he will not. Um, sounds like he will, you know, will be um, in the NHL next year. I assume it's going to, you know, Ranger going to pick him. I've heard a couple of rumors. Again, I don't – I think they're definitely going to pick this kid. But I've heard rumors because they – they're kind of already loaded at left wing with um, Panarin already. And they already just signed Kreider to seven year extension. So they kind of, you know, they need a center, but I think they, it's too much to pass up. And they also have another first rounder because they traded Brady Shea to Carolina. So they get their first rounder when wherever Carolina ends up, it's going to be a later first rounder, but you still got that second one, but it really puts this rebuild now in a major overdrive. And, um, 
yeah, you add this kid in, in the mix, and it's going to be uh, very, very exciting for the Rangers. I was always very excited for the future, but even more happier now that uh, now they get the first pick. Yeah, you add him with Panarin and Kreider. That should that should be a recipe to be competing for the playoffs year in and year out. Yeah, it it definitely will, and they should be. And um, again, you know, um, it's definitely gonna be very very fun to watch this Ranger team because last year, um, Capo Caco uh, was the second overall pick. This year, they had the first overall pick. So, two of the youngest, uh, you know, you have two young superstars. Hopefully, in the making. Yeah, so the but we're going to shift over to the Bruins, and they they uh, got their first playoff win today. Uh, they uh, they won four three in double overtime. Uh, Patrice Bergeron gets the game winning goal against the Hurricanes. Those Hurricanes are tough. We saw as Ranger fans, those Hurricanes are tough. Do you see the uh, Hurricane? I think this series is going six or seven games. Do you do you feel the same, Justin? I I feel so, especially the way that that first game was put, the game was played today. The Bruins did sweep them last year, but this is a much improved Carolina team. They've gotten their feet wet in the playoffs last year. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Again, especially the way Carolina plays so aggressive. They got one of their best defensive guys back, Dougie Hamilton. Um, So, definitely, this is going to be definitely a tough matchup for the Bruins, but um, they, they, you know, um. Double overtime. Carolina still only had 28 shots total throughout the game. They only had nine going to third period. Uh, again, the Bruins looked better. They they kind of got they got down again, but they you know obviously they seemed they want it. They got it more. Um, obviously now it's actually playoffs, and they got Pasternak on the board. He seemed a lot. But he seemed more aggressive. Also had an assist in the game. He you know because he was their leading point scorer. Um, so he looked a lot better today. The front line, their their first line looked better. It, it looks like a Bruins team that, again, um, now that they're actually in the playoffs, it seems like they really were not messing around today. And it was the first time in the bubble that they were not trailing heading in the third period. But it will be a tough matchup, uh, especially in that first line with Sebastian Ajo. And then one of the best young superstars, I think, will be in the game is Andrei Shechnikov, who really destroyed the Rangers. He had eight, um, you know, with that hat trick in game two. So it's definitely going to be a tough matchup for the, her, you know, for the Bruins. But – um, much, much, much tougher than the Eastern Conference final a year ago. We'll wrap up the NHL talk talking about the uh, Capitals and the Islanders. And to me, you know, I don't watch a lot of Islander hockey at all. I watch more of the Capitals because they have Ovechkin. But to me, it's weird that, you know, the Islanders are still a decent team without without Tavares, but it shows you that one player is not going to make a difference in the NHL. I mean, looking at the, the Capitals, they're second in goals scored, Islanders 22nd in goals scored, then goals allowed, uh, Capitals were 18th, the Islanders were 9th. Uh, do you feel like the Islanders could push the Capitals to five or six games? I, I, I don't watch enough to really tell. So, and they, and they were pretty good in their first series. So what, what do you think of that series, Justin? I think they can. And especially because you got former Caps coach on the other side, Barry Trotz. So he was, and he was, they won the Stanley cup, uh, uh, in uh, 2018. Yeah. And he, they, they got, and, um, they, they went their part, they parted ways 11 days after they won the cup. So, um, so, you know, so just adding for that, too, he kind of still knows most of those guys on that team. That's still – that's been – you know, that he's coached, which I think is a nice advantage for the Islanders. But they looked really, really good against the Panthers. Um, they won a four games, and I thought they played very well. The thing about the Islanders is they don't have one big score. Matt Brazell leads the team with total with, like, 60 points. So it's a team that um, 
I, you know, it, it's really spread out and they have a bunch of guys that can beat you. So, and I think that's always the key. I think if you kind of got four lines that all can be dangerous and again, you don't need to have an Ovechkin or Crosby to, you know, to be very, to be successful. It, it obviously helps to have those guys, but you just get a bunch of decent guys and everybody can kind of spread out the scoring. It makes it much tougher to defend because you can't really just put um, emphasis on one guy. But again, the Caps have been here a lot. Um, and hope he's a free agent too. So he, I, this upcoming um, next, this off season, they didn't, they, they haven't been able to find a contract extension yet. So again, he's, he could be playing for some big money um, come this off season when, you know, but I, I think, <clears throat> again, I think this one could definitely also go six, seven ways. This is the eighth time that they played in the playoffs. I think Islanders lead at five to two. I mean, you're you're talking about back in the '80s though, when they won those yeah, series, they, when they were when they had their dynasty going. They did play in fifteen two in the quarterfinals, and the oh, okay, off. But um, I I think the Caps will get. I think there's another one that goes six or seven games. I think the Caps have too much experience. Like that we saw the Islanders get to the semis, Eastern, you know, um, get to the semis last year. Um, but I I think the I think it's gonna be the Caps are gonna be a little bit too much. But it should be a very fun series to watch. Um, but I'm going to take the Caps in six. It'd be interesting. See, interesting to see what happens in that series. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. I'm for Justin Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Have a great weekend, everybody.